Hello guys, it's me, Corval here. Today's show would not be possible without our sponsor, Shimmer Network. Just as a reminder, Shimmer is a DAG-based, feeless, layer one network that's both fast and highly scalable. You can learn more about them at shimmer.network. Well, it's been a pretty fun week, fun weekend for Shimmer. Been a really cool update from our friends over at Nakama Labs, the makers of Deeper Finance, and now the makers of the first stablecoin on Shimmer called Virtue. Awesome. Would you like to dive in? I think I think that's like the biggest. That, that's Is that like, the big one? That, that's that's some of the biggest. I mean, when... all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get to it. So before before we get started, I don't know how many people that listen to this hang out in spec. Uh, it's I love spec just because like they completely shit on everyone. And it's it's just fun. It's just a fun place to be uh, because they do it with the, the best amount of love. Right. But we saw we actually saw some movement in the shimmer price uh, over the weekend. It went up like, I don't know, 20 or 30 percent, um, which I found to be interesting because that doesn't happen very often, um, at least not until EVM launches, in my opinion. But like for anyone that's glued to the charts, because uh, I know there are some people uh, that do stay glued to the charts, like my personal gut feeling is absolutely nothing is going to happen or nothing is going to stick uh, until EVM hits, like until we actually have an ecosystem and a utility for this token. My personal feeling is probably none of that is going to stick. So for anyone that, that goes up and down with the price, you know, go touch grass or whatever. Um, but, but so let's talk about virtue. I'm so fired up about this. I'm so actually to be perfectly honest, like I didn't know virtue was coming. Cappy had like alluded to something that was coming. I didn't know it was a CDP, which for anyone that doesn't know what a CDP platform is, it just means a collateralized debt position. And it's, it's essentially where you have exogenous collateral um, and then you're minting a stable coin. What's really super important about Virtue is, um, first, of off, first off, it's a liquidity fork. And liquidity at their peak, I think, had something like $4.5 billion um, in TVL. And, you know, the, the beauty of liquidity is they have a couple of different things going for them. One... They only use the highest quality TVL. So when I speak about liquidity specifically, they only let you mint their LUSD using Ethereum. <clears throat> uh, no bridge risk, things like that. Um, but what you're doing is you're actually minting a stable coin against it. And they have something called the stability pool. Now, in a, in a traditional like lending and borrowing platform, if your collateral goes underneath a certain amount, right? And, and a lot of the time they're different uh, for, for every single asset. But if your collateral goes underneath a certain amount, normally there's like a network of liquidators, like bots that will come in and liquidate your position. And they're going to keep the difference, which is, you know, can range anywhere from 6% to 10%. Sorry, had to cough for a sec. Um, when it comes to the liquidity model, which, which is also virtue, they have something called a stability pool. And essentially what the stability pool is, is it's a pool of the native stable coin. So in this case, it's going to be VUSD. In the case of liquidity, it's LUSD. And that stability pool has just one purpose. It liquidates people that go under, under collateralized. And what's cool about that is there's always, there's always a, a profit margin there, right? So there's like, if you have to be collateralized at 110%, and you go down to 109%, then whoever pays back that loan gets to keep the difference, that 9%. And that money goes to whoever is taking their, in this case, VUSD and putting it into the stability pool for liquidations. Why is that important? Because uh, for a guy like me who has shimmer and I don't wanna sell my shimmer, but I wanna earn a reward, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my shimmer, I'm gonna collateralize it, mint VUSD, put that VUSD into the stability pool, probably going to pull a return anywhere between 20 and 25% natively without bridge risk uh, just by doing that. And that's not even talking about the virtue emissions that are going to be on top of that. So this is a stable coin that's going to be minted on Shimmer with Shimmer. 
It doesn't have bridge risk uh, unless they add, you know, some other assets in there. So like the, the Lego building block that this is for the DeFi ecosystem really cannot be overstated. And I yield back. Thank you, Austin. When, when Nakama put out the tweet a couple of days ago saying that they have some revolutionary stuff coming, I, I honestly never even imagined that it would be something like a stable coin on Shimmer. I mean, I, I just shout out to uh, Rob and the gang and Nakama for doing great things. Uh, I just brought up uh, Austin from Touchpoint as a speaker. Hello, Austin. Hey there, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. We just we just started digging into uh, the the great news that is virtue. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that's needed. This is something that across every market um, for me, every every market cycle, I would say, like liquidity is something that I've used religiously. Um, you know, it it was one of the first things that taught me how to really play with um, to play with stable coins, to play with like how how do you invest in crypto and not necessarily. Uh, sell your assets in order to like, I mean, I don't want to say avoid paying taxes, but for me, it was the first thing that allowed me to like learn a little bit more about that, where I could invest, um, invest in crypto. I could make some money, whether, you know, it stays profitable or not, didn't really matter, but I'd be able to then take my, take my assets, borrow against them, mint stable coins, and then play around that way or withdraw those stable coins and then, and then, you know, pay any immediate costs that I needed to, and then still have the ability to, to like maintain my capital. Now, I mean, I will say like the, the thing that's always interesting to me about it is like, I think a lot of people, this, this reminds me of anchor a lot uh, from the Luna ecosystem. A lot of people that are going to be new to this sort of thing um, and have this opportunity for the first time they're going, or they may run into this idea of, Oh, they can just borrow against their money and then, you know, not have the money to pay back their collateral. So, the one thing that I'll say about this is as cool as it is, and I'm like, I'm so happy that it's on our network because we do need something like this. Um, it's always important to remember to make sure that you actually have stables or whatever assets you need on hand in order to pay back that, that debt that you incur. Um, just, just to be sure that, you know, if there is market fluctuations that your uh, collateral is not taken away, but with that being said, like this is a huge step forward for the ecosystem. I'm really happy about it. And if I could piggyback on that, like just a little bit, I, I, I talked about the stability pool, which it, for anyone that's never seen this in practice, when you actually see it in practice, you'll go, oh, that makes total sense. Um, but when it comes to the stability pool, let's say, you know, I, I borrow a hundred bucks and I put that hundred VUSD in the stability pool. It's always there. I can always get back to it. The only difference is the number is going to go higher. It's just going to be over my principal. Now, for them, for this to work, VUSD has to be a stable coin that is in demand. If all you can do with VUSD is put in the, put in the stability pool, it's not going to fly. It's not going to work. So what Nakama is going to have to do is they're going to have to go out to TangleSwap. They're going to have to go out to ShimmerSea. They're going to have to go out to the various DEXs, and they're going to have to get fairly significant subsidized yield on VUSD to make it work. So you're going to have like a VUSD shimmer pool. You're going to have a VUSD USDC pool um, that are going to have rewards above and beyond what those DEXs are putting out. And that's where the virtue token comes in. And so whereas you might get like 20% on the stability pool, uh, you might be able to take, you know, half of your VUSD, swap it over to USDC and plug it into a pool over on Shimmersea that's going to give you 150%. Or at least, you know, obviously it's going to get diluted. But like, you get what I'm saying. If you're a first mover there, there's going to be a lot of ability to earn yield. And th that's what makes all of this so exciting. And like Austin touched on um, not causing a taxable event, I guess is how I would phrase that. And um, he's absolutely right when, you know, if I own Shimmer, which I do, and I put it in as collateral, not a taxable event. Now, I'm not a tax guy, but you can, I mean, it's in the FAQs of any of the tax software. Um, when I take a loan against that Shimmer, not a taxable event. Nothing taxable has happened, right? When I pay that loan back, not a taxable event. The only real taxable event, to my understanding, is like, the profit made on top of what the loan was. And that would be probably falling the capital gains. Um, but in any case, like this is a great way of, you know, maintaining if you're shooting for long-term capital gains to not stop the clock from ticking.
Yeah, another thing that I would add is, like, this is a way that we kind of encourage liquidity to stay inside of our network and to grow liquidity from there. Because, you know, what's happening is we're minting a stablecoin that's that's not native to our ecosystem. And if you're if you're playing around in our ecosystem, the more liquidity, the better. I mean, that's kind of a rule of thumb, I think, across every ecosystem where, you know, if you if you have the LU or not LUSD, VUSD and, you know, you're playing with that and you're able to swap to USDC on another DEX, like what you're doing is you're, you're, you are kind of creating more liquidity on other applications in the network, which in turn makes it, uh, makes it look a lot more appealing for people from outside the ecosystem to, you know, come in and start to play around as well. As soon as these liquidity pools are created and they offer opportunity for high yield or higher yield than elsewhere, that's when money's really going to start to flow into the, into the shimmer ecosystem from outside. And I think that it's a it's a very it's just a crucial piece of infrastructure to have um, when we're looking at, you know, how do we really start to kickstart and expand the ecosystem and attract other users from outside. I got to say, I'm I'm a super, super pumped for this. I mean, I really haven't gone into other ecosystems. You know, I. I think I dabbled a little bit in DeFi with on Ethereum and paid like ridiculous transaction fees. And I just, you know, came back to Shimmer and IOTA and just figure I'll just wait. And um, so this is super exciting. And, and I've been in that position where, you know, in 2017 and 2021, I didn't sell because I didn't want to incur the taxes, you know, and and sometimes I wish I did. And then sometimes it probably would have just net evened anyways if I, you know, bought back. But it just... There's such, you know, at least in America, there's just such, you know, sometimes uh, depending on your other income, like huge, you know, tax implications. So this aspect of one, not having the uh, tax uh, event happening, as well as not necessarily losing my shimmer. Like I don't have to trade that shimmer for another token. It just kind of sits there. So um, this is this is really exciting to me. And I'm curious, like it. Because I've heard this with DeFi that that there's such a need for a native um, stable token. Like, if Tether's bridged or something, you know, is is this not using a bridge so that kind of mitigates that risk there? Great question, man. Um, yeah, so this is actually going to be minted on Shimmer, right? So, really, here here's here's how they can keep this as low risk as possible. Um, and I don't know if it's going to stay this way. But so initially when this launches, the only thing that you can mint VUSD from is going to be wrapped shimmer, right? And we know that that's a native asset that's minted on chain. And then you have the VUSD, which is also a native asset. So there's no bridges involved whatsoever. Now, when it comes to like USDT and USDC, at least for the foreseeable future, we're going to have to rely on bridges because Circle and iFinex are not going to go, hey, there's a brand new EVM chain. Let's just go ahead and do all the work we have to do to issue our token natively on that chain. Um, and I also, I'm, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it costs millions and millions of dollars for you to actually be able to get native, you know, stables on your chain. So that's the reason why this is so important. And another thing, and I'd have to ask Rob exactly how they're doing this, but so there's going to be the virtue incentives in the stability pool on top of uh, staking your VUSD. And, you know, I know from other places like Ethos, uh, which is a very similar model that's over on, uh, it's on a bunch of chains, but it's mainly on Optimism. Um, the more money that they can get, the more of their native stable that they can get on the market, what they're actually doing is they're farming it underneath. They're putting it in a lending protocol. And like Ethos has greenery reserve, whereas Nakama, having virtue has deeper. And so that's probably a big part of the reason that, that they're able to do 0% interest loans um, is that they're more than likely going to add VUSD uh, as an option over on, over on deeper finance. And, and by the way, there probably is an initiation fee, I would imagine, it, probably like half a percent or something like that. So even though there's not like ongoing accruing interest, there probably is a fee somewhere. 
Yeah, thanks, Austin. And that was actually, I was, I was going to actually um, <clears throat> ask a little bit about that. You know, there, there might be some people in the chat, you know, we're all very smart in this chat, except me. So I'm going to play the dumb guy, which is easy for me. But I was going to ask, you know, why, why isn't there USDC or USDT? You know, I know Shimmer's not quite live yet on, on mainnet, but, you know, is, is it that difficult to grab those there? And, and the answer that you just explained is yes, it's, it's expensive and it's time consuming. Um, but do you think there's a, and, and so we'll have to rely on bridges for a little bit. Do, do you think there will ever be native USDC and USDT on, on Shimmer? Do you, well, do you, see you have to get, you have to get Circle and iPhoenix involved. That's the roadblock. Yeah. You have to get the issuers willing to issue it on chain. And like right now, you know, Tron has it, Avalanche has it, uh, Solana has it, big networks with big treasuries uh, that, you know, paid for it. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the big the big issue that we run into there, it's not even an issue. It's just like we're very nascent. Right. And the reality is it, it takes a lot more. There's got to be a ton of credibility from our community, from our users, that this is going to be a sustainable network to both of these i guess organizations where you know circle they've taken a very long time to deploy onto many onto a number of different chains i think that there's maybe five or six that are actually supporting usdc natively and yeah i do think in the future that well that is for one it's one of our big goals like from the iota foundation standpoint this is a necessity it's a must that we have to have this in the future but i do think that it is it is something that's more of a long-term goal because like in reality, we have to we have to convince um, Circle that it's you know worth doing on their part, and it it, it really does just come from um, the amount of liquidity that we end up having on our network. Um, understanding that you know this is something that is more sustainable than other networks because again, there's so many competitors in the L1 L2 space at this point. So the first or the best way to to look at it to me is like. Okay, as we start to grow as a network, once we're live and uh, we have the opportunity to expand, um, you know, we just need to showcase that we are a, a stronger and I would say more efficient network than most of our competitors. And I do think it's doable because a lot of what a lot of the research that I do now is, you know, trying to look at different ecosystems and see what makes them different. Many are just copy like they're just copy and paste, you know, fill in the gaps of what makes a good DeFi ecosystem. But what we have is a community from 2017 uh, and, and like till now. And like that's a that's a very big add on or value add that a lot of networks don't have. You know, you see a bunch of these like Gen 2, Gen 3 blockchains that, that show up. They don't necessarily have the support that we do from a community as big as ours. And so I, I would say like the, the bottom line is, you know, in the future when the network is live and when people see that there is um, – a reason to be here from outside the ecosystem, that's when we have much more of a good chance to actually onboard these partners. And, you know, we, we will eventually get there. I think that that's pretty, it's, it's a pretty much no brainer in terms of the necessity of it. I think that the, uh, the key is to just make sure that we as a community are, you know, acting in an efficient way. Whereas, you know, you have so many other networks around the space that that really just don't have the opportunity that we have, I would say. Um, and also, you know, this, this, I talked about it last week and I'll always bring it up. It, it comes down to timing as well. So, you know, with us being able to, I, I was, I say being able to, but with the delayed launch that we've had, what we're doing is we've kind of, we've drawn out a long period of this bear market. Um, and we haven't launched yet, which puts us in a much better position than any network that has launched, whether it was in the beginning of the bear market, the end of the bull market where you know, we are actually in this position where when we launch, hoping things kind of, the tides kind of turn, um, then activity will increase and we just have a better opportunity of being one of those more well-positioned uh, ecosystems that has a chance to, to onboard these sorts of partners. Austin, can I ask you a question uh, real quick or maybe JD, probably Austin, you know the answer to this one. You, you had mentioned the community, and I know that there's going to be a large portion of the community that holds IOTA, and they only hold Shimmer because they staked their IOTA to get some Shimmer. Um, however, what kind of a role is IOTA going to play on the Shimmer network? Because that's, you know, I'm assuming there will be obviously a simple direct bridge from the IOTA network over to Shimmer very easily, um, which in my opinion, like, 
yeah, it's still bridging risk, but it's just Iota. Uh, I doubt anyone's going to go attack that bridge like ever. So, but but I think that would be a huge pull in making sure that the current community is over here testing out the new the new digs. Right. Can you answer that? Yeah, I mean, like I think that this is a this is also an enormous goal. I think when we do onboard the bridge partner of choice, um, we want to be able to open the floodgates of liquidity from the Iota holders because. Like you said, I mean, the people that staked IOTA and now have Shimmer, like they're going to have the ability to, to activate their liquidity. But yeah, the, the idea is that, I mean, at least in my perspective, you know, with uh, with Virtue would be to open the door to allow IOTA to also be used as, or wrapped IOTA to also be used as collateral there, which would in turn just increase the, 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 the total liquidity of the VUSD. And, you know, from there, then you, if we have these pools where you can exchange or you can swap out your VUSD for wrapped USDC, like this would just increase liquidity greatly. So I think that the, the idea is that, you know, we do open up these floodgates and allow for um, wrapped IOTA to be a big use case on Shimmer as well. To me, that's one of the biggest, uh, like the biggest catalysts in terms of how we, how we expand and grow the, uh, the overall liquidity of the network and the activity of the network in turn. And I'll say, um, you know, I think with, uh, um, you know, multi-chain that was going to, I believe, um, you know, include IOTA and, and since they've kind of having their issues, um, it's a little up in the air. I know we definitely know that there'll be some um, very good, solid prospective um, bridge partners that I think will be there. Um, will they list IOTA? I think that's, that's yet to be, you know, known. However, um, you know, uh, the, the committee saw that from the treasury and that it is a need to get IOTA because like you said, there's a lot of people that hold IOTA and they got what they got staked in, in shimmer and they'll play around with that. But then, like you said, I mean, if you could literally bridge your IOTA and have some shimmer and now you can go and get some virtue, you can start getting yield on that. So, um, you know, I think there's a there's a huge population that has been holding, you know, IOTA for a long time with that would, you know, love to earn yield on that. So having some way to bring IOTA in to the Shimmer ecosystem is definitely huge and definitely needed. So at least with um, IOTA MPC from the, um, what is it, you know, Garrett um, and the TanglePay team who's been in the yep. ecosystem for a couple of years, they submitted a grant to get funding to create a bridge and they've been they have a small group the validators were chosen by the community um and the tangle pay team gets a percentage of the uh, fees incurred as well as they are going to give 20 percent to the treasury to give back to the community now saying that we thought this is a good idea and i think one of their main focus is going to be to actually bridge iota um i can't and neither does the community sort of, how can I say it? We, we're not technical experts, so we're not necessarily saying, hey, this is safe. You know, this is just we see that it's a need for more bridges, as we saw multi-chain had issues, um, to be done transparently and to be governed transparently. And that is what IOTA MPC is seeking to do. So I think that's good. At the same time, any bit bridge that doesn't have time tested, um, I think anyone that uses that should just understand the risks there. So, um, you know, certainly I wouldn't uh, go all in on something like that, but we're really excited to see what the, what their team can do. I mean, they've done great things with Tangle Bay, they've done, or Tangle Pay, they've done great things with um, their decks. So, you know, it will be interesting to see um, uh, what their bridge can do. And, and if it, gets that time-tested approval and, you know, kind of there'll be value. So, of course, people will try to hack it. I mean, that is decentralization here. Um, but I do know that they are seeking to uh, really focus on having that IOTA bridge if there isn't another option out there by a more uh, established kind of um, uh, rep, you know, time-tested uh, bridge. So so we saw that to just kind of because we see the need. I mean, the need is there. I know people want to gain yield on it. I would love to gain yield on it. So my IOTA. So, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing that we've had a conversation with internally with a couple of my team members has been, um, you know, we have different we obviously have t different tax laws, different capital gains tax laws um, from or in each juris jurisdiction. And 
uh, in the past, we've talked about how shimmer token holders, um, I, I think we were referring mainly to Germany here, like the, with the tax laws there. And I, you know, don't quote me on this because I'm not 100 percent sure if there's zero taxes after um, a year or after the long term cap gains like time period is over or I'm sorry, the short term cap gains time period is over. But from my understanding, initially we were thinking, OK, if the shimmer token were to have launched um less than a year ago, and then we launched the network, then people would be a little bit more reluctant to start to play around with their shimmer tokens. And so like this was another incentive to try and find a way to bring IOTA tokens over to the shimmer network, because then, you know, these token, these token holders have generally been holding them for, you know, for over a year at least. And, you know, they would be much more inclined to actually fool around and, and start to try and manipulate and gain yield um, with, with those tokens over shimmer. But I think that, you know, because of the delays, we've actually kind of opened the door for people, or I think we will have a much shorter time period, if any at all, where people are going to be able to actually start to activate their shimmer tokens in the in the decentralized finance network, um, like as soon as the network launches. I'm not I'm not too sure exactly if that timeline um, like plays out the way that I just said it. But, you know, at this point, that's one of the benefits of the delays as well. Well, and also you, you bring up a really good point there um, is that like, I know a lot of people have been holding IOTA for a long, long, long time. And let's say, all right, so you, you're past the long-term capital gains window. That's awesome. But let's say you came over and you swapped half your IOTA to USDC and then you went and provided liquidity and we got a 20X in the period of two months and now you're completely wrecked with impermanent loss and it, you held for years and now you just screwed yourself because you provided liquidity. Um, and so this is really where the lending platforms, and I know that like, like some, some education is going to need to be put out and that's hopefully where we can play a, a, an important role for, for people that don't really understand how this works, but like moving your IOTA over and providing it as collateral, you're not selling it which means you still have 100% of the upside. And so if you're borrowing against it, let's say at like a 50% LTV, right? Meaning, uh, or I'm probably saying that percentage wrong, but meaning like if you have $100 in IOTA, you're borrowing $50 worth of a stable coin, take half of that stable, swap it over to, uh, you know, Shimmer or IOTA or whatever, and provide liquidity. Now, you're not going to get 100% of the upside on that $50. You're still going to have some form of impermanent loss as, you know, the IOTA or Shimmer price runs away from the stablecoin price. However, it's still going to be well north of what you owe to get your IOTA back out. And so you're still going to have upside and catch 100% of the IOTA upside and still be able to play in DeFi. Hopefully that wasn't like confusing as shit. What I just said, <laughs> I almost confused myself as it was coming out of my mouth, but... No, no problem. I think I think another way to, to look at it is if you do, let's say you do bring your IOTA tokens over and you are somehow in the future able to use your wrapped IOTA as collateral um, and then take out a loan of the USD, what, like, what would be able to happen is all of the IOTA tokens or the wrapped IOTA tokens that you're using as collateral will still be under your ownership, I guess you could say. And that equity would still be able to earn all of the upside or the downside of the actual IOTA tokens. So, you know, if the, if the, like, I guess the way to put it is if the IOTA token, you know, doubles in value while you're providing liquidity, or I'm sorry, not while you're providing liquidity, but while you're borrowing against it or taking out a loan against it, then what you're actually going to see is that you can now borrow more against it. I'm not trying to encourage that because, you know, like that sort of, I guess you can look back at like the Olympus Dow, um, situation back in the day where you know you would hold your tokens and then you would borrow against your olympus tokens because the token price was flying upwards um and people were calling it nine nine as opposed to three three so three three was just you buy and hold nine nine was you buy hold and borrow against and you know what what happens is while your collateral goes up um and you're able to borrow against it in a like a or borrow more against it you know, it still opens up the door for if the price comes down and you're borrowing more against your initial position, then, you know, you're going to be you're going to still like, I guess, incur the same amount of risk again. Like, I don't want to confuse anyone there. So the way that I would describe it is your collateral. If the price of the token goes up um, and the, 
your collateral stays the same, like the same amount, then your collateral will increase in value. So you'll be allowed to borrow more. It's not necessarily like a means to just continue to borrow more, but it, it is just to say that, you know, you're not actually incurring a permanent loss from just using a, a protocol like uh, virtue or a liquidity fork. Whereas if you're actually providing liquidity into a pair, you do open the door for impermanent loss, which can be, you know, it can be quite lucrative, that impermanent loss. So it, it's probably best, I would say, at least from my perspective and my experience participating in these markets, you know, you never want to go all in on liquidity providing. And also another way that I like to look at it is it's better to liquidity provide, provide liquidity at um, a very early stage as opposed to doing it when the market's, you know, in full turmoil or, or well into when that pool was initially started. Um, but that's like, I think there's a lot of like research that you can do individually um, just by kind of fooling around. And the beauty of a network like ours is the transaction fees are so low. So if you want to, you know, start providing liquidity and you want to start with like $50, then, you know, you can actually see the same thing or the same results as someone who's providing millions of dollars. And like, that's one of the beauties of, of first getting started in this. And it's also one of the beauties of having this very low cost, um, I guess, barrier to enter. So it's definitely something that I would recommend, like playing around with first with some money that you're willing to, uh, that you're willing to lose in all honesty. But at the same time, as you get more experience and start to understand how liquidity providing works and whatnot, you know, that's when it, it becomes, I guess, less of a game and, and, and a learning experience and more of like a serious way to make money. That's, that's how I participated in DeFi to start. Um, and you know, it's a, while there is a steep learning curve, it happens very quickly, just like the, just like crypto, you know? And, uh, I would say it's definitely worth playing around initially and to start to understand and, you know, uh, the different types of things that you can do with your money, because once these, once this network goes live, you know, it's not just about holding the tokens. It's, it becomes a lot more about finding different strategies that work for you in order to kind of generate income. I'll have to say, um, I think I'm excited, you know, like we've talked with the treasury committee a lot about how we can one support DeFi just by providing uh, liquidity in the start and kind of helping create that snowball effect. But after that, you know, we have these funds uh, that are allocated for us to manage for a year. And, you know, why not basically try to put it into some um, liquidity pools that can earn yield? So the fact that really, you know, we could not take a loan, but just maybe provide the be the liquidity um, in this aspect, not have to really sell the shimmer token tokens and actually get a yield throughout the year that we could then fund more grants. Um, we're pretty excited about that. And, you know, <laughs> I have to say, like, I'm not, I'm like, Mikey, like I, this real estate, you know, valuations and formulas, I can do that. That's kind of my jam. But when it comes to kind of DeFi stuff, you know, I, I hand it off. I always just bring it to the committee and then we have Cowie and uh, finance goblins that are like full-time, um, you know, DeFi experts. So they always, you know, we always powwow about it. But we we recently um, are proposing sort of updates to the specification, which we go over totally publicly and transparently every Thursday with the governance group. And um, but we'll be putting in for a revision so that, you know, with these aspects, not only can we earn yield for the Treasury for a percentage of the Treasury, not all of it. And this is just that the committee has because there is a risk of a downside there. But um, uh, you know, we'll be able to do that, earn yield and support the liquidity pools at the same time, which basically helps the protocol overall. But from a treasury standpoint, I want to say too, like, you know, I'm curious. And if anyone's in the audience, like maybe raise their hands or, you know, drop a, a hundred, you know, would you like to see like educational content, you know, cause, cause I think from the treasury side for small funds, we're not really doing any big funds right now, but for small tier one, you know, funding 5,000 and below, if there's anyone out there that, you know, can really make some good educational content on DeFi about the risks involved in this and, um, you know, teaching the community so they know not only before it starts, but they have kind of sort of the information rather than having to go get it themselves and kind of do their, their research, 
um, please, you know, reach out. Like that's something that we would definitely support because we know it's big. There are risks involved. And the best thing to deal with that, I think, is is information and, and learning. So if you're out there and you know anyone that can create that good, you know, professional educational content, um, yeah, we, we'd probably be interested in that. Well, and I can tell you right out the gate, like everything that that we just spoke about, every strategy that just came out of our mouths, you're going to see me on a video giving you a step-by-step exactly how to do it. Um, nice. That's part of what BlockBytes is going to do. Because I know that there are people listening that went, I don't understand damn word these people just said. Uh, and that's okay, right? <laughs> and like, but, but the conversation that you just heard from us, right? Like uh, there was somebody in spec the other day who said, well, I don't see how adding DeFi on Shimmer you know, for the hundred people that use DeFi is going to uh, benefit the SMR token at all. And I was like, wow, like that is, that is like so mind blowing that, that somebody would actually think that because um, the conversations that we just had, like, these are the conversations that people that are sitting with, you know, $50 million over on BSC and Avalanche are also having, and they're going, I've got all these stable coins sitting here. How do I maximize my yield on them? Right. And you look over at, you look over at Virtue now and you go, okay, uh, if I have the SMR token, um, I can now mint this VUSD and I can earn 30% on that. Now, how do I ensure that I'm still holding on to my stable coins? So I don't want to sell my stables into a volatile asset because that's going to you know, put market risk on me. And so what do they do? They take their USDC, they put it on deeper on, you know, if they assume that there's still some price appreciation or, or excuse me, uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, they might take it over to the network and swap it over to SMR, or they might put it over on deeper, keep it in USDC, borrow SMR, go throw it over on Virtue, uh, plug that VUSD in in the stability pool, and then unwind it as they go back. And if they think maybe SMR is topped out, but they still want to get that yield, um, they might do that exact same thing, or they might loop their USDC through deeper man i know i'm explaining this badly guys and i apologize but like when i get some videos going this is going to make a lot more sense um because these there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in DeFi that are looking for these exact opportunities and it's not about having the absolute fastest network it's not about having the absolute cheapest network it's about community it's about enthusiasm it's about yield and it's about opportunity and if those four things exist just chill, just buy the damn shimmer token and wait, because it's coming as long as those things exist on the network. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, like we, I think it was maybe last week um, in a Twitter space, we were, we were kind of talking about uh, these mercenaries uh, that are just hunting for these, these new DeFi opportunities. And then, um, and then it comes to, you know, like, okay, so great. So now we have these like big, we have these whales in here now that are just here for the, you know, for, for the yields. How do we, how does the chain how does the how do we keep these whales from just leaving after maybe the yield has gone down a little bit and uh i, I think but you just asked him like you know the, the community more more than just one thing to do on a chain yeah sometimes mercenaries are just going to be mercenaries um and there, there's really no way to like get around that right like i remember when geist launched over on phantom and like two billion dollars came in a day and everyone was speculating ah it's Justin Sun or, you know, whoever the hell else, right? And and whoever moved billions of dollars on chain, they're not there for the community. Uh, they're there to suck the money out of wherever they can get it and then move it back off. But here's what that did. It popped it to the top of DeFi Llama. Freaking every threader on Twitter started writing up threads about all of this money that was moving to this damn network, right? And now all of a sudden, boom, it was front and center in front of everybody's face. And that brings the people over that will stay for the community. But what we've got to give them, if we've got to give them a soft landing, we've got to, not to use a Jerome Powell phrase, but we've got to, we've got to give them a nice place to come into. And I think we had a, a, a chat on the, the Touchpoint Discord, which for anyone that doesn't know what Touchpoint is, it's, it's what Austin runs. It's the, the builders program within Shimmer. And, you know, that's kind of the the feeling that we want to somehow permeate from the top down is that, you know, this is, this is a, a grassroots nascent, uh, not nascent forever, but 
uh, a grassroots movement where anyone can come in. You're going to get a friendly face. We're going to show you how this stuff works. Even if you're new to DeFi, we want you to come in. We want you to stay and try it out. And hopefully you'll find a home here. And, and finding sticky liquidity is, is not easy. Uh, you've got to like, you've got to get past that initial yield phase. Um, but one thing I will say, and this is one thing that excites me a lot about Shimmer, is we have uh, Tangle Swap with concentrated liquidity. We have Shimmer C, which is you know Uni V2, um, IOTA B, which is going to be an aggregator. We've I know we have a balancer fork coming. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know balancer. Traditional pools are 50-50, are right? So you've got half of one asset and half of another. On Balancer, you can do pools that are like 80-20. So you might have 80% of the pool being in Shimmer and 20% of the pool being in USDC. So it cuts down a lot on that potential and permanent loss. You get to keep a lot more of the upside. And so these little Lego blocks, as they play, as they start stacking together, what you're going to find is the strategies that can be built on top of them are massive. And that's what liquidity is looking for. Right, right. I would say that, you know, a very simple way to look at it. Um, this kind of goes back a little bit before this question, but it can relate to these like large mercenary whales. Um, you know, as we stand now, the Shimmer token and IOTA token, there's really only one activity that you can do. You can buy and sell. So it's a, a very low level of speculation. Whereas once this this sort of marketplace is, is live, what you can do becomes a lot or the strategies that you can implement become a lot more complex, whether that, you know, comes to, you know, borrowing against your your native assets, like specifically SMR and hopefully wrapped IOTA soon um, or uh, just providing liquidity in general. There's different things that these people do. And I, I mean, I say these people, but the different types of of users inside a DeFi do in order to gain yield. Everyone has their own strategies. I would say some of the more, like the larger players, they do come and they do try and suck liquidity out. But what that does, as Austin was saying, was it brings attention to the network. And when attention comes to the network and more liquidity flows in from whether it's smaller wallets or additional whales, whatever it may be, what it may open the door for us to do is start to include assets from other ecosystems into our network. What, not necessarily saying that we're going to be bringing other applications in and using their tokens, but for example, if there's a way for wrapped Ethereum or wrapped Bitcoin to come over to our network um, and people see a, a reason to start to play around with those, then it, it creates additional incentives or it opens the door for new strategies to be used and for people to kind of explore in order to gain yield. And I think that the, the end goal for us is to obviously attract more whales, but the, the, the big thing for alternative networks to Ethereum and, and Bitcoin in particular is to attract these smaller users, these people that are trying to find yield in more unique ways than these larger players have the opportunity to do so. So what I mean by that is like, you know, whales on Ethereum, they don't necessarily mind these $100, $300 transaction costs if they're playing with massive amounts of money. But if we have, you know, a million, a million people that are playing with a lot smaller amounts of money that are coming to participate, then what we have is now this ecosystem that's filled with a bunch of new people that are trying different strategies. And yes, there's going to be winners and losers on each end of these strategies. But by by bringing in different opportunities, people that are that find home bases on different networks and um, really store their their crypto net worth in, you know, different assets other than the ones that are native to our ecosystem, if we can offer them strategy opportunities um, to play around on our network, then we're going to end up growing, I don't want to say exponentially, but like this is the way that we kind of kickstart that growth. Um, so I think that the, the, way that the, the way that I would answer the question about how do we keep people or keep these mercenaries um, on board is by obviously one, increasing liquidity with, within our own ecosystem. But then two, opening the door to bring liquidity from other ecosystems in other forms, which would be, like I said, wrapped Bitcoin, wrapped Ethereum, because these seem to be the most important assets to other people and the most used assets across different networks. Bingo. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. And the bridge risk is unfortunately going to be like 
forefront of everyone's mind for a little while with what happened with with multi-chain but <clears throat> it really does go to show like there are some big players and i know some of them who will not participate on a network that doesn't have a native stable yep. coin uh and i don't mean vusd i mean circle issues usdc on that chain right like polygon or avalanche um because that you know that bridge risk is like a real risk and when it comes to like wrapped ethereum or uh wrapped btc you know on on this particular network those are gonna have to have some bridge risk involved mm. uh they just you know unless there's like some new protocol out there that i don't know about but like on optimism for example with uh with WETH, wrapped ether, um, I believe that bridge is owned and operated by the Optimism Foundation, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's not like a multi-chain asset that, you know, ran into a bunch of issues. So there probably are ways of like making it seem a little bit nicer as we go along. Um, but yeah, you, you brought up a really great point there, Austin. Yeah, and what I'll say on the bridge side of things, because I do think this is, you know, I don't know if everyone was who's in the audience was here last week and I will continue to just push this um, this idea into uh, into everyone's head that I can. But I'm really pushing for you know onboarding a, a more a, a much more trusted uh, bridge partner. It's one of the most important things that we can do as a network and as a foundation for our community. Um, and you know there are people out there or our teams out there that are that are definitely better than others. And we're not really looking to settle with uh, with a bridge provider that's not going to be as battle tested as possible. Um, and again, like I, I came from other networks and I don't like this is my thing that I personally am just working, you know, tooth and nail for, which is we, we want to have the ability to connect with other ecosystems. I mean, the only way to push the, the crypto ecosystem forward as a whole is to get all these communities to kind of work together in some way. And I think that that really on a very loose level or high level, um, the way that that looks like is actually using the same infrastructure or the most trusted infrastructure that other networks do use already. So for me, that looks like a partnering with the biggest projects, not projects, but the biggest infrastructure uh, partners that are trusted by um, Ethereum ecosystem and then the L2s that are, that are built alongside of them. And I think, you know, just to say, I guess on a, on a very shallow level, like we are in contact with a bunch of them. And there, I mean, I say a bunch, but a bunch of the good ones, there's, there's only so many. Um, and yeah, like we, I really hope to be able to kind of make an announcement on that in the next couple of weeks or months, because I think that it's, it's extremely important for me in particular, but also the IF to make sure that we have this partner that is uh, best suited to, to support the needs of our ecosystem and our users. That's great to hear. Thank you, Austin. Um, certainly lots of uh, more work to be done, more building to be done. Da dare I say, patience is a virtue? <laughs> dare, dare. Go ahead. I did Dare it. away. Dare away. I dare you. Oh, I did it. So to everybody listening, um, we, we've been the, the bulk of the show has been about uh, the new virtue, uh, virtue. Oh my gosh! Just get me off of this thing. The the new virtue, uh, native stablecoin, uh, the first of its kind on Shimmer, uh, from our good friends, the geniuses behind Nakama Labs. Um, and I'd like to, you know, like obviously, panel Austin, JD, Austin. Uh, we can certainly keep talking about uh, uh, virtue. I, I do have one question. Maybe someone could answer. Um, do we know when will it be live? And where would we where would we get it? But also, real quickly before that, before we get into that, anybody listening in the audience, if you have if you if you want to come up and chat, any questions, opinions, please throw your hand up. I'd love to bring you up here, and uh, so you can come chat with us. I think um, so. On your point about virtue, we should see it. I, I'm fairly certain on the back end, almost everything is done. Um, and so I think we're going to see it uh, participating in the, the Shimmer testnet here at some point in the near future. So uh, if that is the case, then I think as soon as EVM goes live, uh, it's going to go live with it alongside Deeper and, and Shimmer C and the rest of the dApps. Yeah, I believe that's correct. 
Well, that's very cool. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm looking forward to it. We got about, you know, like eight minutes till the hour mark. Um, still see no hands in the audience. Anybody want to come up and uh, tell a joke or anything? In the meantime, uh, Austin, what, what, else, <laughs> what, else, what, what else we got? <laughs> don't offer people to tell jokes, man. We don't need that. Tangle Pay uh, has – so I'm trying to kind of like understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. So we hear the words messaging protocol all the time in crypto. And traditionally, a messaging protocol is like Axelar where you know it's sending a message from one chain you know and it's like a, ends up being a bridge there's a lot of other applications to a messaging protocol right. than a bridge but um tangle pay is from what i understand and, and we did have a call with with garrett who he explained it and of course like i got like a piece of it and that was weeks ago and and now i'm i'm an idiot again um but it sounds like they want to put like a, a an actual chat messaging protocol um, within Tangle Pay, in as something that the DApps can can integrate into the sites, is that right, Mikey? Am I close? Do you know? That, that, that's what I'm. That's what I'm reading it as. Uh, so their tweet came out um, just a couple days ago. Um, they're, they're currently working on a game changing Web three messaging protocol. Now, and when when I hear that, and and like the call that you had, and the information that I got, not so much as a you know like a communication layer between blockchains, but but actually a like a like a telegram like a web3 messaging you know like texting back and forth um based on shimmer of course and so they're urgently seeking a partner to provide a naming service on shimmer and iota which sounds dope i cannot wait to get mikey.smr or mikey.iota because i don't i don't think there is a naming service on iota or shimmer yet i, I see people on Twitter with dot iota, but is that just a, a Twitter thing? You know, like uh... yeah, no, there's no naming service yet. I know Disentangle was uh, working on it, and uh, actually reached out to them just to kind of see, kind of get an update on their project, if you know how they're how they're working on it, and do they need any support? And um, it seems like they look to go on to something else. Um, I guess they have the branding and the UX and the UI. I just actually was just talking to them earlier today um, <clears throat> and asked them if there's any sort of backend uh, code. And apparently there really isn't. So, um, but again, I think a naming service is something that we absolutely need in the uh, ecosystem. Um, again, I think something good to, uh, if anyone out there, you know, thinks that they can uh, develop that with their team uh, would be good. Uh, to probably get in touch point, work with the builders program as well as reach out to the treasury. Um, so, so it is something needed. I know that um, uh, Garrett has also talked with them because he, they really need that for this messaging service. And I think if disentangle or someone doesn't take that over, then they'll do a very basic naming service. Um, if that will kind of be able to be ported over, you know, all around, I, I, I don't know the full details on that, but um yeah, I would love to see that because I would love to have, you know, that that naming capability uh, rather than sending out the 81 character, whatever the character is, wallet address would be much nicer. Right. Same. So you hear that? Anybody listening? Are you builders? Get in there. Talk to TanglePay or reach out to uh, to JD or Austin at Touchpoint. Um, but I, I can't wait to get my name. I mean, if anybody gets Mikey.iota or Mikey.chimber before me, I'm I'm coming for you. Dude, I'm rugging you. I'm so Austin, gonna, I'm rugging your ass on that. There's no way. I'll be ready. I'm I'll sorry. Ready. That was so rude. I should never say that. You say it all the time. <laughs> so, I don't you, I don't I don't think we have much else. I, I'm I'm pulling up spec right now just to see what they're shit talking about. Mainly WorldCoin and uh, the rest of the stuff I've got it. You know what I really want to get is I want to get like one or two of the really angry speckers uh, to come join us on here and just let them oh. like, just let them go off uh, for a little <laughs> while and, and we'll see what happens. I'd love to. I'd love it. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, yeah, if someone wants to come up and talk, please, please do and come on, go ahead and interrupt me. But there's one thing that's been top of mind for me this last week, which has been this big stuff on Rollbit. And I think that it's uh, I'm, if, if you're not familiar with Rollbit, it's like this 
it was a native project to Solana that moved over to Ethereum um, recently and, and just received a ton of hype from a lot of the more well-known um, influencers in the space. But the, the interesting thing was a lot of the influencers that Rollbit had gained the attention of were a lot of these people who were notorious over the last couple of years um, for, for uh, like pump and dumps, like specifically they would actually pump the token through their, um, through their influence. And then they, they end up rugging them, you know, pretty quickly after. So that's like one of these guys' names is Haska. Mm-hmm. Another one is Gainsey. Gainsey. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, it's very interesting to see because there's two sides of this because Rollbit is basically this big casino. It's not decentralized in any way. They've also implemented that gambling thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, like, yeah, you bet there's, there's full on games that you get to speculate on. Um, and then there's also this like extremely high leverage perpetual trades that you can do. And so like, basically if you, let's say like, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to bet on the price movement of the SMR token, they'll let you leverage your, your tokens up like a thousand percent, which is extremely degenerate, extremely risky. And, you know, what we've seen is that a lot of people are, are just inclined to do it, which kind of it's telling for, for, you know, a, a number of reasons. But one of the things is like one of the biggest use cases, obviously, in crypto is this idea of speculation and gambling. And although we saw the price of Rollbit go up significantly when these uh, influencers started to support it, um, the actual activity of Rollbit has always been pretty substantial because I think like it's, it's just very clear that. You know, people have this idea that gambling is, you know, it's it's something it's well, I guess a better way to put it is the people that participate in in DeFi and whatnot are often here to speculate. And so, you know, the way that we can kind of relate it to our network is as we start to, as I was saying before, like we open up these new routes of being able to uh, utilize different strategies to earn yield. And, you know, eventually we're going to get these perpetual trading and options trading platforms to launch on shimmer and when that happens you know that's just another level of speculation that people can do and it's also another way to kind of increase the total value locked obviously and and the the amount of liquidity that people are are going to be willing to use in the network but it will be it's definitely interesting to look at if you aren't familiar with it because you know rollbit is a is a great (laughs) it's just a great uh example of the, the the craze in crypto and, you know, I mean, it's not even like cryptocurrency. Um, it's not isolated to cryptocurrency things like you can you can gamble in any way. So like you could play blackjack, uh, poker, slots. Then there's just all these different types of crazy games. Vandals, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, I think that it's definitely worth looking at. Not not to invest, I would say. I mean, like, you know, do your own due diligence in that sense. But definitely to, like, see what sorts of things are drawing people into into crypto. Um, because it's actually, they also have a sports betting book, which is also quite interesting. I've heard that I'm not a, I'm not a sports gambler myself, but I know a lot of my buddies are, and they were like, wow, these, uh, this book is, is definitely a little bit, they offer better rates and, and, uh, I guess better numbers than, than traditional books. So it's definitely like a, a crazy thing that's been brought into crypto. Um, it definitely caters to both web two and web three people. And I guess like the main point that I'm trying to make here, obviously, one, take a look at it if you're if you want to see what sorts of things draw in people to our ecosystems. But also, um, you know, there's a reason for I'd say, well, how would I put it? Hmm. There's well, a I, reason for the degency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason for the degency, but there's also like, a, oh, yeah, yeah, OK, here's my here's my other point. So. When it comes to the the influencers in crypto, and this is a big thing that I hope that everyone can kind of take in, take with a grain of salt, but there's a very short memory for everyone that participates in a market that moves so fast. And it's important to remember who the actors that are worth following and worth listening to are in the space. So someone like Haska, or even like you look at Zusu and the people from FTX that are still participating in the crypto ecosystem, uh, just under a different name or a different guise. there's always a um, an incentive to kind of make sure that you're not having as short of a memory as everyone else, because you don't want to ever fall into the same category or the same group of people that, that follow these people that are clearly bad actors. And, you know, one of the things that we are really trying to do from our standpoint as the touchpoint team, which is 
basically to try and not gatekeep because we want to obviously encourage people to build on our network, but we're trying to make sure that the community is going to be as safe as possible in the future. And so when we see projects that are, um, you know, being built or shilled by these different, I would just call them straight up bad actors, like we're trying to keep them away. And I guess like last point and to just close that off is, you know, it's, it's a big deal if you're, uh, or it's a big problem if we're we're including people in the uh, in the space or our ecosystem in particular that are that are clearly going to be um, ineffective or a bad influence on our community. So you know, just to kind of throw that out there and uh, to close up, just be careful who you're following and and make sure that you know you do a little bit of due diligence on the person, not necessarily just the protocol that you're looking into. Great point, man. Great point. And another thing that I can share, you know, kind of along those same lines is like when, when the shimmer network first launches and let's, you know, we'll say maybe September or late August, who the hell knows when it's going to launch, but when it actually does first launch, there's going to be a feeling, at least I hope there's going to be a feeling around the network, which is like, wow, it happened. We're finally here. We waited all this time and we got to win under our belt. It's going to feel wholesome it's you know wholesome may be the wrong word but it's going to feel like home and community and it's all going to be there and you know everyone's going to be saying okay we're working towards adoption we're working towards growing the network and that's true but things are going to happen as the network expands um the 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 types of folks that that austin was just talking about are going to show up they're going to get attracted to it and the more proficient you can be uh, with, you know, with managing your own book, the better, right? The, the more you understand DeFi, the more entrenched you are in the community, the more contact you have with the actual builders themselves, the easier it's going to be for you to see through a lot of the bullshit. Uh, because if there is a lot of money to be made, you can expect it's going to, it's going to bring the good and it's going to bring the bad. And like, you know, one, one place that I'm, you know, have no problem telling you that like shit went awry back when we were on phantom is that, you know, at first the projects were working together. It was all towards the good of the network. You know, the community was very tight. We had, you know, FTM alerts. I was doing like AMAs with new projects three or four a week. And then we had, you know, phantom unchained that we did on, on Thursdays or Fridays. I can't remember which. Um, And it was just, it was just nice and copacetic, right? But then something started to happen along the way. And this was really when the TVL went up. It was right around the time for anyone that was around when Solidly was launching. Um, and and the, the projects started backbiting one another. And they started to become clickish. And, you know, I had hoped that wasn't going to happen, even though I knew in my heart, like, eventually this was going to take place. Um, but the longer that we can maintain like that wholesome feeling, the longer we can maintain that community feel like, Hey, I know you're new to Iota. I know you're new to shimmer, but we're going to treat you like you've been here the whole time, the better. And while I'm going to be out here creating content, I would encourage anyone that's listening. Like if you, if you have the balls to put yourself out there and you kind of like understand a little bit about how DeFi works, please start creating content. I'll help you get started. Like I'll help retweet your shit. Like I'll do whatever I can to help you because the more people we have doing this, the better. And it's not about like getting a ton of followers on Twitter. It's about educating people. And what'll start to happen, like I, I, I can assure you, if you take one person from, I don't understand how this works to, I totally understand how this works now. And I feel very comfortable in the ecosystem. That's a mouthpiece. And that's a real mouthpiece. It's not like, you know, DeFi Llama shows five billion dollars coming onto the network like this is actually somebody that will share with people in a genuine way about what shimmer can do and that that's sticky liquidity that's the type of community that we want and it's not you know the people at the top can do it and the projects can do it but the community's got to get involved too if we really want it to work and so that's all i wanted to rant about go ahead austin no, yeah, if, if anyone's got any questions about anything DeFi related, our community related, just feel free to feel free to hit me up on Twitter, uh, Discord, whatever you whatever you is better for you. But I am always around. So, yep, use me as a resource as well, and I'm uh, I'm happy to be there. And, and Mikey likes feet pics. Send Mikey feet pics <laughs> in his DM. That's right. 
That's not true. That's not really. Maybe he does. I don't know. Well, Austin sends me feet pics every night, so. God. You're so creepy, bro. I swear. You, you brought it up. You, you brought it up. All I, right. I, I always steer into the skin. Always oh steer into the skin. Oh my God. But uh, Austin and Austin, uh, JD dropped off. But Austin and Austin, thank you both so much, and JD, for, yep. for coming on the show. Um, Shimmer Community Twitter Spaces, every Monday, same time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Would love to see you guys in here again. Shout out to all the BlockBytes fam that showed up today, as well as the IOTA fam. Shout out Lendex is in the in the audience right now. Uh, Lendex, if you guys want to come up and hang out with us next week, I'll drop you a line. Would love to hear from you. Um, IOTA Insider, Jeff. Really appreciate you guys showing up today. Um, Austin and Austin, any uh, you know, final thoughts, final words? Nope, nope. I'm all good. Uh, thanks for having me out as always. I'll see you guys next week. Indeed. Really appreciate you guys. And thank you again for everybody showing up. This has been uh, Block Bites hosting our uh, Shimmer Community Twitter Spaces every Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week.